problem of Jesus is that we have a bunch of people, skeptics and, and believers alike, who reject Christianity on the wrong stuff. They reject Christianity based on Christians who have fumbled the ball versus Jesus himself. What did he say? What did he do? Who did he claim to be? Did he really die for sin? Did he really rise from the death? What was his teachings? People aren't rejecting Christianity on that. They're rejecting it on, oh, look, you know, people have fumbled the ball. Welcome to the special Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio, featuring Pastor Daniel Fusco. Each week we share a conversation between Daniel and a special guest. Today, Pastor Daniel sits down with author and pastor Mark Clark to talk about how to answer a skeptic's questions about Christianity and Jesus. He'll share that it's a mistake to throw out Christianity because of how people have messed up. Instead, your opinion should be based on what Jesus himself said and did. Now, here's Pastor Daniel and Mark Clark with the Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Jesus is real. Well, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to Crazy Happy, the podcast with me. Hello. Daniel Fusco, super excited to have you all joining us today where we want to explore what does it mean to follow Jesus in this crazy world and uncover who he is and who we are in him and how it's all meant to work together. And so thanks so much for joining us. Also, many of you are just super excited about uh, the book, Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life, which is available in all the different formats, whether it's print book or ebook or audible or all these different things you can get it wherever books are sold where we explore what is god's plan for human happiness now guess what so i, I love getting right the book but i really like doing the podcast because i get to talk to people who i think are awesome people who i just enjoy people who i look up to people whose uh, i watch how god uses them and i think to myself man it is so cool that god created this person to do these things and today i am so blessed to have my friend oh. Mark Clark, hey. author, theologian, pastor of Village Church, Canadian. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to build up to like, I love doing a podcast with people I love and look up to and interesting. I mean, that's not today <laughs> because our guest is Mark Clark. Well, you know, it's so funny, Mark, when you've come down and taught at Crossroads, you know, uh, people are all the time like, I can see why you and Mark are friends. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that's bad for you it's Probably definitely bad. good for me but you know me and you getting together is madness how you doing buddy uh i am doing well so mark has not only is he pastored an amazing church village church up there in in uh it's not even just in vancouver anymore it's he's got campuses yeah. all over uh okay. all over the nation of canada how many campuses do you guys have uh we have uh we have i think nine uh we have one in calgary and then the Winnipeg and Toronto ones are kind of in their core launch phase. And then we have five or six locally around the greater Vancouver area. So, so amazing. So obviously, so God's doing a great work in the church, but then you, you have multiple books that you've released. Your, your first book was, uh, you know, uh, at least in this season was, mm -hmm. was the problem of God. I know you, you had written a, a book on Paul before that, which I have a copy of and loved and, you know, um, uh, but your newest book, the problem of Jesus 
just dropped recently. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the whole problem of series, because I know that this is going to be it's good as a series of book. And sure. then we want to look specifically at the problem of Jesus together. So yeah. talk about that a little well, bit. Well, the, the problem of actually came to me. Um, the first book already had a name and it's exploring like all the big top apologetic type questions about Christianity, right? hell and sex and evil and suffering and science and all that. And it had a name. I think it was called like Skeptics Forum or something like can, that. Can I just say something real quick? I love the fact that the big problems are hell, suffering, and sex. So, I mean, I, well, I've never actually read an apologetics book that had sex in it. So I thought I'd write one. I think it's the longest chapter in the book. Uh, <laughs> I like writing about it. So uh, it's like, honey, I'm doing research. Um, so uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, so then the book's almost published. And a guy just was reading something and he sent me a quote, one of our staff one day, his name is Michael. And it was this quote by Tozer, A.W. Tozer. I don't know if you know him, you know, we're so I, I, just, I just call him to Tozer. Uh, all of the problems of heaven and earth, though they were to confront us together and at once would be nothing compared with the overwhelming problem of God. That he is, what he is like, and what we as moral beings must do about him. I was like, okay, this captures perfectly what I'm writing about. And of course, then there's the play on the word problem. It's an intricate matter to be settled, a question. So more in the math, I'm, I got a math problem that needs to be solved. But then, of course, the double entendre of it's also a problem in the sense of we got to, what do we, you know, Jesus can shake stuff up. There's a scandal there. So that's what the whole problem of series is referring to. And let's talk specifically about the problem of Jesus then. Yeah. So, well, the problem of Jesus is that we have a bunch of people, skeptics and, and believers alike who reject Christianity on the wrong stuff. They reject Christianity based on Christians who have fumbled the ball versus Jesus himself. What did he say? What did he do? Who did he claim to be? Did he really die for sin? Did he really rise from the death? What was his teachings? People aren't rejecting Christianity on that. They're rejecting it on, oh, look, you know, people have fumbled the ball. They burned witches. There's nationalism in the church. There's hypocrisy in the church. It's like, right. Yeah, because the church is filled with sinful people, you know, who are mistake ridden and all the rest of it. We need to clear all that away and look at Jesus. Who was he? What did he say? What was he talking? What was he on about? What did he do? And then reject or embrace Christianity based on that. So that's where this book is basically everything I've read and preached about Jesus for the last 20 years put out there to basically say to the skeptic, I want you to believe. And to the Christian, somebody who always follows, I want you to be inspired. I want you to go deeper. I want you to see Jesus maybe like you've never seen him before. You know, and there's no doubt, Mark, that, you know, I know your story, but I want you to share a little bit about, you know, you speaking to skeptics about Jesus is a very personal thing yeah. for you because of your journey. So you want to share a little bit about your journey, you know, as you came to know Jesus and, and your heart to be able to reach people who are far from God, people who are outside of the faith and, and, and some of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I grew up in a pretty... Um, antagonistic home toward Christianity. And the, and the story that kind of captures that, that, that I tell people is 
uh, my brother, whose name is Matthew, he's 40 years old than me. When my mom had him, she was like, I want to name this kid Matthew. Uh, and my dad said, okay, that's fine, but you have to spell his name with one T because I don't want to spell it the way that's biblical. I don't want everything to do with the gospels. So my brother's name is Matthew with one T. And then four years later, they had me and called me Mark. So clearly they guy never picked up a Bible before. And they're like, Oh, you know, it's like, he's missing the boat here. Um, so no Bible, no church, no prayer, no God, not part of our life. Uh, so I've always been like an evidential thinker. I've always been someone who's like, if I'm going to believe something, I want to, I want to see the evidence for it scientifically. So I started exploring Christianity uh, later in high school from that philosophical, historical science. I don't want to just believe something because it makes me feel good. I don't want to just believe something because other people believe it. I would actually believe this because it's true. And I found that, you know, Jesus, the Christianity was the best idea in the marketplace of ideas. So that's where my background is. And I wanted to go into the film world. Like I wanted to go, you know, similar to you. Like I had, I had different intentions than ministry. And so I had a group of people come around me from all different angles that didn't know each other in this cool little kind of supernatural story and just spoken in my life and said, I think you should go into ministry. And so I started doing, you know, school and then really loved academia and wanted to like, you know, serve people by being a scholar. And so I started going down that route. That's what moved me to Vancouver. And then when I got here, God was like, I want you to plant a church. And I was like, why? There's no Christians in Vancouver. This is Canada, bro. Like, this is like, you know, when I speak in America, I like to say, I come to you from the future. Like, this is where your country is going. Uh, there's no Christianity. There's no, I don't care about any of that. And so... Um, we ended up staying here and planting a church in Vancouver and telling people about Jesus and people started to show up, get their life changed. And, but, but coming at it from that, how do I talk to the skeptic, the unchurched de church person about Jesus every week? That was the heart behind it. It wasn't to, you know, gather a bunch of Christians and that's what started to happen. And then what happens is, you know, this new people bring new people. That's why our church grew. Uh, the, the guy who's been sitting in the pew for 20 years in the same pew, he ain't bringing anybody. It doesn't matter what you do. So I started talking to his friend and then sooner or later, his friend shows up because, you know, you build an environment first where you're talking to the skeptic and then the skeptic shows up, you know, you're answering those questions every week, you know, uh, don't assume anything. It's like that your neighbor doesn't think the gospels are real. So explain how they are. Your neighbor doesn't believe Jesus even existed. You know, I have a chapter in the book just proving Jesus actually existed because this is like a question now. It's like, what? You know, so. Yeah. So talk a little bit because, you know, obviously people who are listening to this, they're in all different places on their on their journey of faith. And, you know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, so there, there are people who are, or who are listening right now and they're just like, man, this is a fun podcast, but I'm not sure if I believe all the Jesus stuff. And there's people who've been walking with Jesus and there's pastors and all these different people. But like very often when it comes to sharing about Jesus with other people, you know, Jesus told us that this is part of who we're supposed to be. You know, we go and make disciples, right? It's like the Great Commission says, you know, it begins like, hey, you know, make disciples. You do it by going and baptizing and teaching, you know. Uh, but most people are like, man, like, well, it comes to make disciples. Like, we'll let the pastor do the do the sharing about Jesus. And what if they ask me a question I don't understand? How would you speak to them? How would you encourage someone and say, listen, it's okay to be asked questions that you don't understand? How would you speak, speak to that? Well, 
first, let's try to get as much understanding as we can um, so that we can answer people's questions. And that's and, kind and of- hold on and do that by getting the problem of God and the problem of Jesus by Mark Clark. So let's, <laughs> let's put that in there first, because uh, sure. I endorse both books, you know, so like I read them and I, they're good books. That's why uh, we're well, talking about this. So okay, keep you. going. Sorry. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and just, and just really, you know, studying the Bible and thinking through these things and going like, how can I philosophically defend? Cause we should want to do that anyway. One of my biggest, like people ask me what my big stumbling blocks are. One of them is obviously kind of evil and suffering, right? It's like, that's a tough one. And we, as pastors, you're not going to pastor very well. Uh, unless you can have an answer to that in some way that's satisfying. It's not ultimately satisfying because there's always going to be the why did this happen kind of thing. But, you know, when I think about it from my skeptic atheistic standpoint, I realize that even to have the category called evil and suffering, I actually need some kind of transcendent ethic to put God on trial. Because if I was just an animal with only a million years of cognitive wiring in my brain based on my experience in nature, I probably wouldn't deduce half the things I do morally. I need something else to give me those moral categories because, because if it's just animals, then uh, dude, a lion eats a zebra. It's not murder. It's just lunch. But if we got to, we got to figure it out. Why do I not like it? If it's, you know, so it raises these questions for me. And I think they're just better answers when you when you come up with a theistic worldview than a non-theistic worldview. Uh, and so some of it is just really exploring and saying, I got to better understand my faith. I got to better understand God. I got to better understand the Bible. All that. But then there's going to be, there's going to be gaps and the gaps are beautiful. Who wants, you know, as, a, as, as a, you know, the, in the crown, I don't know if you watch the crown, there's that one line where, She's getting all dolled up and it's like, you know, she's basically becoming the crown and the guy looks and he says, who wants prose when you can have poetry? You know, why flatten this thing down when you can, you know, you put a little dust on this girl and it's magic. It's a fairy tale. That's what you want, you know? And it's like, there's a piece of it. You know, Bonhoeffer said, let's, one of the jobs of a theologian is to retain the mystery, you know, because there's awe in the gaps, and so let's explore, let's get the right answers for the doctrines and, the, and get it, get it all. Yeah. Rich research. Let's leave in my daughter the other day. She's 10 years old. She's like, dad, can people right now in heaven see us and what we're doing? I don't know. It's like, maybe there's that passage in Hebrews, but I don't really think that's probably what it's about. You know, Hey, and when we get to heaven, dad, am I going to be able to talk to, you know, so-and-so and some author or something like, is it like Daniel, you and I going to be sitting around with Lewis and Tolkien going, yeah, yeah. He's smoking a pipe and going, Hey, what, what about what do you, I don't know because there's so many things the Bible doesn't tell. There's a gap. And so that's okay. You know, there's always going to be that. That's where faith comes in. But as I like to say, you run the ramp of reason and then take the leap of faith. If you don't do that, then you're going to have a faith that's filled with whatever you think in the moment. And that's dangerous because depending on the culture and the, and the specific time you live in, you're just going to build a worldview or a faith. That's just what you think up, which is extremely dangerous. So good what you're sharing. And, And I think for all of you who are listening, I always encourage people that when you share your faith with people, you will always be asked questions that you don't understand. And my favorite answer for that is, Hey, that's a great question. And I want to honor your question. Yeah. 
So let me think about it mm. and do a little research. Mm -hmm. And then let me get back to you. And what you've done is first, you haven't given someone bad information, you know, which a lot of people don't embrace Jesus because along the way, someone didn't really honor the question or gave them like a, a little plaque or didn't know how to answer and said something crazy. But not only have you honored their question, you've also given yourself an opportunity to have a second conversation about it. And yeah. then you get to grow. And in a lot of ways for me as a, as a pastor, so many things that I've learned is along the way you get asked the question and you don't really know the, you're like, like, I know what the Bible says, but like, that's a very profound question. And I don't know if I have the answer. And because I don't want to get stuck, not having good answers. I'm like, well, I better go find that thing out. And then you go and you research it down. You grab Mark's book, you open it up. Like, what, what do I say in this situation? And then you come like, Oh, you know, Hey, I thought about what you were talking about. And Hey, here's the, here's the answer. And they're like, wow. Yeah, that's real. I never, no one ever talks about it to me that way. And you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it, it is always that great opportunity, you know, when we do share our faith and when we do get asked questions that are challenging, it gives us an opportunity to learn and grow. Yeah. And, and I think even pointing out to people, maybe the flaws in their own worldviews at times and letting people process, I'm actually asking this question to be critical but I don't even have a worldview that's logical myself. And so having people challenge, like uh, uh, one example would be when I, so my family not being Christian, when my grandma passed away, they would say, at least she's not suffering anymore. I mean, that's generally what people say, right? Like you have someone in the hospital, they're dying. You know, they look at me as someone with like, you have faith. You believe in all these things that can't be proven, Mark, and you're, it's silly. Then, then my grandma dies and she's not suffering anymore. And the question to me is, how do you know that? Like, you, you have a faith position that tells you that Nanny's not suffering anymore. In fact, she could be suffering more. There's nothing, you can't prove, you have a metaphysical belief system about what happens to people in the afterlife, which is nothing. But how do you know it's true? And getting people to question their own worldview out of which they're trying to deconstruct or criticize yours is also a helpful thing. And like you said, invites the follow-up conversation. Now, okay, let's talk about this because you know, you're know you getting into something that I think a lot of, of people who follow Jesus, and I know that not everyone who, who listens or watches this does, but like the idea of apologetics and different kind of approaches to apologetics. So that, you know, that, that word apologetics, it doesn't mean that we're giving an apology, like we're sorry for it. It's the way we explain it. And there's that idea that, and it's one of the things that you do masterfully, both in your books and also in your preaching ministry, is that you link up both what we can call classical apologetics, which is more of the idea this is how we know the Bible is true. This is how we know that Jesus is a real person, right? So that's the idea of like, these are the things that we believe and these are the truths that we hold because of it. Yeah. But then you also link up what we scholars call presuppositional apologetics, where you're not beginning with, this is what the Bible says and this is how I know it's true. That's classical apologetics. Yeah. But this is what you believe and like the, the hearer's presupposition. And yeah. now let me speak to you from where you are and let me show you both where there might be an error in what in your worldview or your faith assumptions, like you were just talking about. And yep. also, here's how Jesus 
also brings now clarity and structure to your now destabilized worldview. And so it's this idea that not only are we here to tell you this is what the Bible teaches and why we believe it to be true and how it's plausible and rational and all these things, but this idea of precept, like where we start with what someone else believes. And I think one of the things that Christians don't do well is we're so used to people attacking our faith, you know, and, and, and questioning it that we never think, well, if that's the way we're going to explore people's worldviews, then the playing field can be level. And as believers, we don't do it in an attacking way, but we do it in a way that is actually saying, listen, okay, so we're going to put my, like Jesus said, the measure you use will be measured back to you. So let's put your worldview on the same grid of, is it really plausible? And how do you know, as you're doing to my worldview? And I think it's something that you do massively both in the books and in your preaching ministry. So talk about that. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I I think that, it's important because I don't want the motive behind it. Isn't to be like, Hey, look at me. I didn't get stuck in your little trap. Like that's not the motive. The motive is ultimately, do you really want to live your life in a worldview that's contradictory at its core? Then don't believe what you're saying anymore. Like if you're going to put God on trial for evil, but according to your own worldview, you shouldn't even have a category called evil because your worldview doesn't allow it. Then, then abandon it. Like, I'm not telling you, you have to, that, that, that instant you become a Christian. I'm just telling you, let the instability of your own logic at least rock you a bit. You know, I use the word scandal in the, in the subtitle of the book. It's like, there's a scandal to Christianity. And the scandal is that we, we all get told we're kind of wrong you know, about God, all of us, we're wrong about salvation. We're the wrong, we're, we're wrong in trusting in beauty and success and money and fame and sex and to save us and give us meaning and purpose in life. That's wrong. We're lost. We're the younger brother and the prodigal son that we're lost in all these different ways, whether religiously we're lost or from the classic kind of secular ways we're lost. And that's offensive. There's a scandal to that. And then it's like, can I, you know, can I trust Jesus to make me found? And and am I willing to be kind of discombobulated by him? So I think that's important. The other thing that's important in the world that we live in, Daniel, is uh, I think it was Charles Taylor years ago pointed out, uh, building off something Leslie Newbigin said. He said, when we're doing preaching or living missionally in the world, evangelism, whatever, One of the things that we have to understand is we don't so much live in a secular society as much as we live in a pagan society, meaning we're not just coming in going, hey, guys, none of you have gods, and now we're going to present Christianity to you. It's that we live in a society that actually does worship gods, power, money, beauty, fame, other religions, And our job in the missional task is not just to come in and go, I'm going to start from zero. And it's like, there's a bit of deconstructing what you worship to then replace it with the true worship of the one true God who's found in Jesus. That's part of the task. Jesus is We're so glad that you stayed with us today as Pastor Daniel spoke with pastor and author Mark Clark about how to answer the skeptics' questions about Jesus and Christianity. Mark shared that these interactions need to begin from an understanding that people have all kinds of things that they worship. 
things that they think will give them happiness and stability. Part of the task that God has given you is to help people see clearly so that they can replace those things by following the one true God. While our time with you on Jesus is Real Radio may be coming to an end, you don't have to stop learning from God. Visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to dive into Pastor Daniel's teachings from the Bible. And be sure to tune in Monday through Thursday for our weekday edition of Jesus Is Real. We'd love to meet you too. Find out more about how you can join us at Crossroads Community Church when you visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Come back next Friday when Pastor Daniel will continue this conversation with Pastor Mark Clark. They'll talk more about how to effectively reach out to people who are skeptical about Jesus and Christianity. Pastor Mark will also share how raising his daughters is a consistent source of personal growth and challenge in his life. Well, that's all we have time for on this special Friday edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. For more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Today's broadcast was produced from the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco. Be sure to subscribe to the Crazy Happy Podcast today. And be sure to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.